Hello, and welcome to the Eugene Real Estate Podcast. I am your host, Vince Casey. We also have Patty Rose at the helm producing the show. This will be the first ever podcast devoted entirely to the Eugene real estate market, where we will bring on local experts to discuss current trends to help us navigate the ever-changing landscape that is the real estate market. Today's guest is none other than Matt Powell. Matt is the owner of Blue Wink Capital, a private financing firm based here in Eugene. Whether it be helping finance a flip or help purchase a home or training a new realtor, Matt has been making real estate dreams come true for a very long time. In addition to private financing, Matt was also at one time a realtor. At the ripe old age of 19, he earned the awards of being Rookie of the Year at his firm. He later became an owner at Windermere Real Estate here in Lane County. He is currently on the board of directors at Oakshire Brewing. If you haven't tried their Amper L, you might want to give that a shot. And um, Matt also hosts a a podcast, a co-host with his lovely wife, Tanya. It's the Be Well podcast, where they focus on creating healthy habits and self-growth. In addition to all this, Matt is also my friend and a personal mentor. Matt, welcome to the show. It's good to be here, Vince. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. First show. Yeah, you seem like a natural for, for the first guest, and we're so glad you're here. Well, thanks for the invite. I'm excited to talk about Eugene Real Estate. <laughs> well, in addition to real estate, it seems like the only time we get to see each other now is uh, through social media. It seems like times are changing uh, since COVID. And one of the things that popped up on your social media recently is your uh, race to Cabo from Eugene. Um, that looked like wow. a ton of fun. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Oh, Vince, it was a blast. Eugene to, Eugene to Baja 3000. It was actually something a buddy and I had been kind of talking about, dreaming about, kind of joking about for, gosh, 15 years. And we finally just decided to do it. And it was kind of a scavenger hunt meets a race. We ended up having about 18 guys and seven vehicles um, over a week. Uh, we left from Mohawk Tavern in Springfield, Oregon, by the way of Reno, and then Las Vegas, and then San Felipe, Mexico. So yeah, it was it was a blast. Um, it was seven pages of points and checkpoints and uh, scavenger hunt type of stuff. Yeah, one of the visuals that I got from that that was really great uh, were there a couple of guys that were dressed in the Talladega Knights racing suits, the Shake and Bake Brothers. Yes, yeah, Shake and, then, and Bake. <laughs> they were uh, driving around on a little Dumb and Dumber scooter, which uh, just made me laugh out loud. Uh, something that definitely doesn't usually happen. Um, but they must have just been a ton of fun to travel with, and uh, I had some great moments with them. They were. It was actually the the first couple of days of the trip were really cold, and we didn't know till we got going. But the car I was in, me and my buddy, our car, our Lincoln Town car that we bought for fourteen hundred dollars, the heater didn't work, and we were just freezing, and uh, it was it was quite the adventure. But we had a blast, lifelong memories. Now I heard that one of the parts of the contest is you had to sell your car, um, but I heard that you had an idea for a prank on your daughter before you decided to make that happen. Uh, yeah, so what was her so reaction? Whole, okay. Yeah, so the whole three thousand thing is that's the budget. So the trip was Eugene to Baja three thousand, and the three thousand is that's your transportation budget. So that includes purchase the vehicle and transportation to the destination. So. Um, our $1,400 purchase was probably pretty average, um, but then you have money for, you know, what you need to get there and and fuel and all that stuff. But when I came home with this $1,400 car, I called my uh, daughter, which was 15 at the time, 
and uh, told her I uh, have a surprise for her. And I know she's getting her license soon. So I went ahead and made a purchase today and I'm excited to show her. So she just assumes I had bought a car for her. And when I pulled down our driveway, which is kind of a long driveway, she's out on the front porch. She's eagerly awaiting and she sees a different car she doesn't recognize. And I can tell she just lights up, she gets excited. And then as I come down the driveway and she sees this piece of crap, her face just drops. Oh no. I had to quickly let her know it's not for her. This was for the Baja trip. And uh, I don't know if she was happy about that or sad that I actually didn't buy her a car. Oh, my goodness, Matt. That uh, would have been a moment that would have been fun to witness on camera. But uh, (laughs) anyways, um, so here we are. Um, We're in early March here in spring. Um, The dandelions are starting to pop up. Uh, Enchanted Forest is going to open soon. And uh, we just went through kind of a unique time for real estate here in Eugene. Uh, The rate hike, um, APR rates went from about 3% to uh, over 7 in just a matter of months, which is pretty much unprecedented here in Eugene. Um, So many people put their hands in their pockets, uh, decided not to do anything real estate-wise. People that were pre-approved for $400,000 were now only pre-approved for two hundred fifty. dollars uh, folks who were pre-approved for three hundred thousand were now priced out of the market. It really just sent shock waves uh, through the real estate community. Um, and now, just recently, we saw one of the biggest surges in uh, home activity uh, since twenty twenty, despite those higher rates. So, the million dollar question that I think I want to hear, and a lot of our listeners want to hear, is. What do you personally think the buying season is going to be like this spring? And what advice would you give to prospective buyers? Yeah, I think it's a great question. And I wish I had that crystal ball, but you you said it perfectly, Vince. Rate is buying power. And that's why I think a lot of people, especially... Um, people that maybe aren't actively involved in the real estate industry, they, they weren't quite understanding why when the rates increase so dramatically how that really affected the market that's like you said it's buying power you know it, it can it can you know price people out of the market um but the reality is you know we talk a lot of averages in real estate statistics average selling price in eugene average days on market but really what's going on is those averages look kind of like they're they're struggling because of this little you know rate increase we have, but really we're still in a very strong market under 500,000. And so if you take out, you know, if you look at just the kind of a price range segment, it's going to, it still is a strong market under 500,000 in Eugene, Oregon. And I think it, it will remain strong. There's just not enough inventory. We continue to be in a supply and demand issue. Um, that is changed for stuff over 500, especially over seven, especially over a million. But I would say stuff under 500, it's going to move quick. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And that actually is a perfect segue to our next question. Um, We were already in a housing crisis here in Lane County. Um, Now that the rates have peaked over 7%, I can foresee a lot of the homeowners that are sitting on a 3 or under 4% APR rate staying in their current homes unless they just absolutely have to sell. Um, Won't these market conditions lead back into an intense seller's market uh, just to further the housing shortage? Yeah, it, it definitely will, Vince. And we're already starting to see that is, again, just to underscore what I said, because it's, I think, such an important part of this market that we're in currently, and we have been in now for two or three years, and that is the supply and demand issue. Again, there's just not enough uh, uh, supply that we need. Um, we need more supply to come on, and you're right. 
it, we've also seen the average year someone lives in their house increase, and that's just hurting the supply thing. Um, so that's that's the key, and I don't I don't know how we solve that. You know, um, we need more building, but we're constrained by urban growth boundary. Um, I'm really pleased with a lot of the things Eugene's doing with um, density, and I think we'll see more infill, and I think that's a very healthy thing for creating housing. Um, it'll be smaller housing too, which in theory would be more affordable, and that's what we need. We need that stuff under five hundred thousand, like I said. Um, so yeah, I think I think we will continue to answer your question to be in a robust market. You know, we saw for the first time in a few years a very, um, I guess, typical seasonal slowdown. You know, just the time of the year that coupled with the the rise in interest rates, um, but people continue to buy and sell even with the higher interest rates. And that's another thing we're seeing. There's still a lot of cash out there. Um, interest rates might be higher, but there's opportunities to buy down rates. There's opportunities already at adjustable rate mortgages or just putting more cash down into the purchase. Yeah, absolutely. I've even heard talk of um, starting to convert some old office buildings into condos now that um, the city has been talking about raising the skyline limit. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Um, in real estate, there's not really a true science for what the market's going to do. Um, we're all kind of reading the tea leaves. As you mentioned earlier, everybody wants that crystal ball, but we don't have one. Um, in most cases, when you're trying to predict market activity, um, you really are just listening to a lot of industry experts, as I know that you listen to Matt Gardner and uh, probably a few others, as do I. Uh, what is your overall feel about uh, APR rates? Uh, when do you think they're going to start going back down again? You know, just to kind of underscore what you said, there's such uh, there's so much information out there. Um, I, I do. I, I think uh, Matthew Gardner, the Economist, that's a great resource. Um, but it's it's interesting. Just uh, not to get too far off track here, but I'll I'll sure. go and I'll read read some of the uh, information from if it's Matthew Gardner or Inman News or KCM, and sometimes they contradict on what's going to happen. And so it's it's interesting. However, we got to remember real estate is local. That's why I love that you're doing a podcast here focused hyper-local on Eugene real estate. Um, you know, without without getting into the rabbit hole of APR rates, I'm not an expert on conventional interest rates, on APR rates. Um, however, I will say this. I think we're in the new norm. Mm -hmm. I think six to seven is going to be kind of we're going to we're going we're going to be for a while. So get used to it. However, something a lot of people haven't been talking about is how inflation is a hedge against real estate. And so I think that's that's a blessing. Let's just say we kind of, you know, don't see the appreciation we've seen the last couple of years and and um, current values stay where they're at. Well, you have inflation happening. So real estate is a hedge against inflation. That's a really positive thing about owning real estate. Yeah, absolutely. I like that word, the new normal. I, I feel like um, everybody kind of took a deep breath whenever rates went up and now we've kind of all have adjusted and I've seen the market start to pick back up here. So um, that's exactly where we're at, the new normal. Um, so I sort of introduced you as a creative financing wizard, uh, which is just a fancy term for private money lender. Uh, what exactly do you do? Um, when do people call Matt Powell to assist with their real estate purchase? 
Yeah, I like to say I'm Plan B, um, and and that's really you know I don't I do no conventional traditional financing as I mentioned I don't follow the APA rate APR rates that close right um, but I like I want to be your Plan B and here's there's three reasons why you might need a Plan B first is speed you know traditional financing can take thirty to sixty days commercial loans can take ninety days. Mm-hmm. Um, we can close loans in a couple days. So the wow. first reason you might need private lending, why you're going to call Blue Ink Capital, is maybe you have a deadline on a 1031 exchange because something fell apart and you got to close the transaction in a couple days. We can help with that. Um, or maybe it's a competitive thing. Maybe I, we just closed a loan that was pre-foreclosure and there was a foreclosure deadline looming days away. And then they decided, okay, we're going to, we might as well sell it. We have equity. They had a buyer, but conventional financing cannot close a loan in a couple of days. We can. Um, so speed's the first. The second reason would be when the property will not conventionally finance. Maybe it has no foundation. Maybe it's, you know, a, manufactured home that's been moved three times on acreage. Um, Maybe the roof's caving in. We will finance anything in any condition as long as it's real property in Oregon. Um, Now we're a short-term solution. So you use our money, private financing. It's it's a lot easier process. And then you fix that roof. You fix that foundation. You solve the problem and then you refinance. Um, And then the third and the final reason you might use private financing would be if the buyer the borrower can't qualify. Um, we obviously do a lot of investment stuff, so maybe the the buyer already has ten mortgages, and they can, and they can't have another mortgage. We don't care if they have ten. We don't care if they have fifteen. Gotcha. Or maybe the buyer just went through a life circumstance, and it messed up their credit. We don't have credit score requirements now. You have to know what your exit plan is, and if that involves a refinance, we might you know, then look at the credit score. But so those three reasons, you know, you get either got to move fast, the property will not finance or the buyer will not conventionally finance. In those cases, call me, call Blue Ink Capital. We love to brainstorm. Yeah, it sounds like y'all got a lot of, uh, uh, shake a lot of hands with investors and fix and flips over there. Yeah, you know, and we talk to a lot of um, people that are aspiring real estate investors too. And I love that part of the, the process, kind of mentoring, counseling them. I will say, I'll just give a disclaimer here. You, you got to have money. I think there's so many misnomers that you can just do it with no money or this. Now, we we can get creative. I mean, I, I've done 100% financing, 105% financing, but that's for really strong borrowers that have other assets. Right. You know, maybe we use additional collateral. Um, maybe we're doing a bridge loan and there's two properties involved. Um, but in general, you do have to have some skin in the game and some funds. So knowing that your business is tied closely to investors, what advice would you give house flippers right now that are sitting on projects they penciled for a a red hot market a year ago, say, and now they're listing these projects in a new paradigm and not quite getting the price point that they were expecting? Uh, What do you say to those folks? Well, an ideal situation, going back to what I said earlier, hopefully it's in a price range under 500000 <laughs> If they bought a fixer, maybe took them all, hopefully they're in that price range where I think they're going to be okay. But if it's not and they're still in process, they might want to reevaluate what they can do to bring that price point down. Maybe they've traditionally done granite 
and they like granite countertops. It's, it's, it's an emotional thing for buyers. They might have to go for mica. They might have to cut some corners to get, I think it's more important right now for house flippers um, to one, get the home on the market this time of year, but two, to get the price range down. People can walk into a house and be like, oh my gosh, I love this house. We can afford it now. And we can always update that kitchen. So if, if you're a flipper investor and you got a mid project going on, don't, don't, you know, what we've seen the last couple of years is some pretty tricked out flips, which is great. That does help sell the property. But right now, more important is get that price range down. Um, and then, like I said too, don't chase the market. Um, it, turn and burn on flips. Well, maybe not burn, but it, it don't, you know, time is money. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, like you said, we, we're here in March now. If you have a project in process, try to get it on, on the market. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. Um, so with people that are cash buyers and they're thinking about maybe holding those properties or renting those properties, would you say Deneno to that? Or would you say uh, if you can hold and be patient, use that power or use that strength? Um, well, make sure I'm understanding your question right. You're talking about an investor that's thinking about if if they're maybe waiting for a better time to sell. Well, let's say they're they're not using private money, so they're you know uh, they can hold their properties or they have the strength to hold. Um, is there any is there any wisdom in using patience right now? Absolutely. You know the the rental market remains strong, and so if if you have an investor that has the option to have it be a if it's a nightly, if it's short-term or long-term rental, I think that's a great option, you know, and to be able to have that option and watch the market. So let's say you have that house that's maybe that $600,000 price range, you know, and you just feel that the market's not strong. And here's what investors should be doing if they're trying to decide, do I sell the house or do I hold the house? Historically, we've looked at recent solds. What has sold that's comparable to this property? So what I should know to how I should market my property. Well, what you need to do now, if you're thinking about it, is look at actives. What's my competition? And so if I was a, an agent and an investor was, you know, asking my advice, I'd say, well, let's look what the competition is. If there was steep competition, I'd say, yeah, hold it. Not the right time. Because um, I don't think prices are going to go down. They might not go up. We might not see the appreciation we've seen, but I don't think they're going to go down. Um, however, if we look at those active comps and there is none or what's on the market's crap, I would say, let's get this baby on the market. Heck yeah. We're in a good spot. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't agree more. Okay. Well, um, I think we're almost out of time here, Matt. Uh, I just wanted to leave you an opportunity um, to give our listeners one sage piece of wisdom that you've found is true in real estate throughout the years, you know, something we can take home with us tonight and kind of tuck underneath the pillow and uh, save for a rainy day. Uh, what would that well, be? This wasn't, this wasn't planned, but just what we were talking about. Um, you got to remember real estate is a solid long-term investment. Um, it's not a short-term high-yield investment. Now, it can be. We were just talking about flippers. That's why this came to mind. And I'm a big advocate for, you know, buying homes, fixing them up, reselling, or buying homes, fixing them up, refinancing and holding. Um, I think that's a great business. But we have to remember, especially in these slower real estate markets or when prices aren't appreciating um, or aren't appreciating fast, um, that real estate historically has been, and in my professional opinion, remains a solid long-term investment. Um, if you look at it as only a short-term high-yield investment, you will get into trouble. There's my sage advice. <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, that's absolutely perfect, Matt. Um, well, 
Uh, I'm so grateful that we had a chance to talk. Uh, I know it's Friday evening and uh, people have places to go and people to see. Um, but you really have been a true mentor to me, and I'm so thankful to have you on this show. Uh, if people need to get a hold of you or someone over at Blue Ink, what's the best way to reach out? Yeah, you can always uh, go to our website, which is blue-ink, and ink is inc.com. And real quick, the, if you guys don't know, the name Blue Ink comes from when I started in the business, I was trained that you had to have a blue pin on you because we needed to sign those contracts in Blue Ink. We signed all the final closing documents in Blue Ink. And so that always kind of stuck with me. And, uh, and so that's where the name Blue Ink comes from. You know, kind of that blue ink stands out from uh, the black and white text on a page. So uh, blue-ink.com, blue the website, or my email is matt at blue-ink.com. Or you can always call us at 541-434-1818. Oh, that's great information. Well, uh, thank you so much. Uh, that's our show for the month. Um, I want to thank you again, Matt, for joining us. I also want to thank Patty Rose for making all the things happen behind the scenes. And I want to thank all of you for listening. Next month, we will be joined by none other than Brian Ramstad, the owner of Hybrid Real Estate. Good night, and I'll see you next time. <laughs>